Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Editor's Note. I'm Yair Pinto, and together with me, as always, is TV7 Israel Editor-in-Chief Jonathan Hassan. How are you doing today? Praise the Lord, better than yesterday and less good than tomorrow. <laughs> good, that's good to hear. I'm glad to hear that you're feeling better and more energized. You look uh, way more, you know, ready for the day. Yeah, to bring this into context, <laughs> I was a little bit under the weather, but things are getting a lot better. Good, good. Okay, so I would like to invite and ask our extended family to join me in prayer for today, that really God will be with us and speak through us. Avinu Shabashamayim, todalecha leyom hazeh, todalecha our Father in Heaven, thank you for this day. Thank you for being in control. Thank you for uh, being our healer. Thank you for healing Jonathan. And we pray for complete healing uh, on all of our staff and all of our team, especially during this uh, season that it is shifting into winter here in Israel. We pray that you will use us. We pray for more provision here for TV7 Israel, for TFTN. We pray for our family of supporters around the world. And we pray that you will be in control. And of course, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem and the salvation of Israel. B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, Jonathan, this week, as I think the past week, as every week was eventful, and where do you want to start? Did you have anything you want to share, like explain to our viewers? Maybe they ask some questions, I know. Well, obviously, uh, I think the, the most important uh, three topics is uh, Israel's election. Mm-hmm. Uh, campaign, obviously, after uh, the election that took place on November 1st, mm-hmm. uh, we have finally uh, a uh, first stage of uh, with you know, a prelude, if you will, to a stable government here in Jerusalem. Uh, Whether or not it truly is going to be stable, um, Lord willing, God knows. But uh, nonetheless, uh, Netanyahu is in a position to establish a government uh, of 64 mandates, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a four-seat majority out of, of course, the 120 seats uh, in the Israeli Knesset, which mm-hmm. is, of course, the Hebrew word for parliament. Uh, so we're waiting to see. Now Netanyahu has 42 days to negotiate and, and hammer everything out uh, before uh, coming to the point of having uh, the uh, government. The government is going to be established, I, I believe so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, he's going to exhaust uh, all of the days uh, available to negotiations, including the extension. After three weeks, you can have one week extension. And you say that this government will be established because all of the 64 bloc are like same-minded or like-minded to the Likud party or to Netanyahu's party? Not at all. There are many differences between the parties. Um, Most of the parties are neoconservative rather than conservative. There are Mm -hmm. a few conservative, there are few ultra-Orthodox that are actually socialist, yeah. uh, as opposed to uh, the uh, conservative and neoconservative, which are more capitalist-minded, free market mm-hmm. and such. So uh, there is a balance uh, within this context uh, to learn how to work in a sectorial system, mm-hmm. uh, where we see uh, various sectors with uh, strong electorate uh, 
um, that is very disciplined when they're being told, the ultra-Orthodox particularly, yeah. go vote, they go and vote. Uh, and they do according to what the rabbi says. So we see a lot of that happening. Of course, it has uh, implications for the Israeli democracy as a whole because ultimately the representation in parliament is not necessarily uh, equal per capita to the representation of, of the, the entire Israeli public. Yes, definitely. This is one uh, point. We will, of course, discuss uh, what are the challenges ahead for Netanyahu mm-hmm, mm-hmm. momentarily. Uh, and uh, the second point that I'd like to raise up is the fact that later this week, on Wednesday, there's going to be the uh, Board of Governors of the International Atomic Energy Agency. I have received mm-hmm. from my sources in uh, the agency uh, the reports published by uh, the Director General, Rafael Mariano Grossi, which is uh, obviously classified, uh, restricted, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, from circulation. Nevertheless, we, we did... Um, uh, thankfully get our hands on it and we are studying it as we speak. Well, that's an interesting topic because we really want to know if there is going to be you know, an agreement that really means something or just an agreement for sure. Well, at the beginning of last week, uh, French President Emmanuel Macron has, was also um, put uh, in the news last week uh, saying that, you know, the, the nuclear deal, the JCPOA, the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, nothing comprehensive about it, but that's a different story. It's obsolete. It's redundant. It doesn't have the the foundation nor the capacity. Even if you enforce the document as is today, you're not going to limit Iranian progress on its nuclear file. Yeah. So uh, there need to be various methodologies implemented. And to truly think outside of the box within the context of what is viable and what is possible mm-hmm. within the, the current uh, state of play within the global political strategic uh, um, okay. context um, to see how Iran is curtailing or, or scaling back its nuclear program uh, in exchange for sanctions relief, which would truly alleviate much of the pressures on the Ayatollah regime. Is that something that we would like to see here in Israel? Absolutely not. Uh, We do not think that Iran, which foments so much of uh, the the terror and and the destruction throughout the Middle East, Mm -hmm. uh, and as well as in Ukraine today, you know, they've been delivering much uh, of... uh, the, the drones, uh, she had... Uh, yeah, drones, instructors. Uh, they're, they're assisting the Russians, mm-hmm. which just shows to what degree Russia and Iran have actually uh, deepened their ties. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, many people in the West keep saying uh, of here, Russia is with its back against a wall, and that's why they're running to the Iranians. That's not true. Um, the, the main reason for that is that they already had a coordinated mechanism, if you will, cooperation between mm-hmm. the two countries uh, for the day that they will go to war. Um, yeah. And this is something that we need to understand. This is an ongoing um, understanding or arrangement between Putin and uh, the supreme leader of the Islamic Republic, Ayatollah Ali Khamenei, mm-hmm. uh, where we need to see uh, more of those. Uh, we don't need to see, but we see a lot of uh, these alliances, so to speak, those coalitions. Uh, If in uh, 
2014, Russia truly entered the Middle East. Uh, today, it has a true coalition with Iran, with Hezbollah, with Syria, yes. uh, to a lesser degree from a logistical perspective with China, uh, with various actors, including Armenia particularly. Uh, so we see a lot of that, and they're all connected. They're all working together mm-hmm. Um you know, there was a lot of, of lashback at the time when uh, Azerbaijan and Armenia mm-hmm. were fighting each other in uh, Nagorno-Karabakh. Still, the situation there is very tense. Uh, we see it slowly escalating once more. Uh, the The main issue for Israel in this context is Iran and Armenia are in bed together. They are operating together. Uh, so it really is frustrating to see Uh, That on the one hand, from a humanitarian aspect, there is much understanding on a cultural perspective regarding Armenia's plight uh, vis-a-vis its uh, precarious uh, uh, situation or position. But nonetheless, they cannot, you know, engage in cooperation with uh, Iran in such a, a, a robust manner. Uh, at a time when Israel uh, is obviously the the arch enemy of Iran. Yeah. Okay. So we're seeing that a lot, of course, because Israel is supporting uh, Azerbaijan and Turkey is supporting Azerbaijan, Iran is also, according to discussions I had with actually intelligence um, Mm -hmm. officials, uh, the Iranians are currently also deploying many of those drones that we're seeing in Russia in Armenia okay. for the next war with Azerbaijan. So that's another point. Everything is connected. Huh? Everything is connected, as we always <laughs> say. Uh, and uh, we just need to, you know, uh, zoom, zoom out, out and them. zoom in. Zoom out and zoom in. And, and it keeps going back and forth. We need to understand the terrain that we're speaking about. Definitely. We need to understand the doctrines that are implemented by the various governments. Uh, and uh, we also need to understand, and I say this with uh, deep dismay and somewhat of a concern, there is a lack of leadership in the West. Yes. Thankfully, that lack is also in the other camps, um, not in the same ratio, unfortunately, but there is a lack of leadership in the West, and there is a disconnect between uh, planning and preparing to what ultimately is uh, necessary to be implemented. Mm -hmm. So uh, there needs to be a shift, a shift in doctrine, a shift of understanding and a strategic understanding as such of everything that is happening. Um, so, yeah, we're living in yeah. very interesting times. Yeah, I was wondering, you're talking about these drones. Are we seeing the Iranian drones in Gaza, in Hamas's hands? Uh, to a lesser degree, we see components thereof. Mm-hmm. Israel obviously is following this very closely. But to put things in perspective, uh, drones do not necessarily concern Israel. I see. The capabilities of the drones, even though they're very successful in um, in creating destruction all over mm-hmm. uh, uh, Ukraine at this stage, uh, we see a lot of uh, weaknesses of mm-hmm. the system as well. Um, and as such, there are a lot of preparations to 
counter those weaknesses in order to truly be able to detect and intercept those kind of threats. And we see in, in Ukraine, every attack of such drones is roughly between 10 to 12 drones being shot together. Uh, and then, uh, again, the Shihab 136 is a suicide drone. So it's a one-way one way ticket. Yeah. Tricket. Okay. It, it uh, finds a target. And uh, those 11 or 12, you know, this dozen drones, they crash into the same location mm-hmm. uh, or at least try to class so it's clusters of those um the technological warfare or the technological capabilities uh electronic warfare we call it uh to intercept those drones and and to be able to keep those at bay um are in uh, israel has these capabilities okay that's good to know so nevertheless in order again to to detect and intercept those uh, a regional cooperation is being implemented right now okay. under U.S. Central Command. So the United States is orchestrating this cooperation. And as such, we will see much more uh, cooperation. I don't know to what degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, much of this is obviously classified for understandable reasons. Countries uh, which Israel does not have uh, relations with, official relations with, are also participating in this. Yes. So obviously much of this will remain classified. Nevertheless, um, this will allow Israel, for instance, there were reports about uh, a number of drones that were uh, flown out of Iraq Mm -hmm. uh, by Iranian proxies, um, namely Qatayb Hezbollah of Hashtashabi, the Popular Front, uh, which is an Iranian-backed end directed organization under the Quds force uh, of the Islamic Revolutionary Guards. These were intercepted while in flight midair in Iraq. Okay. Okay, So we can basically detect the threat way in advance before it reaches our borders. Indeed. With this cooperation. Indeed. And and this is, it goes very deep. Yeah. And that's orchestrated by the United States mainly. It's orchestrated by the United States. uh, And it is a concrete result. Mm -hmm of uh, the Abraham Accords. Okay. Okay, So the Abraham Accords uh, basically facilitated this option. And, of course, another angle to this is the transfer of uh, the IDF from European command to central command. So this is another aspect of this. Israel was for years under European command as part of uh, the American umbrella in mm-hmm. Europe uh, since it was transferred to central command to the American umbrella over the Middle East uh, its relations with the the US aligned Sunni camp is phenomenal uh, oh, amazing, just yeah. last week for the first time a senior general of the Israeli Air Force visited the kingdom of Bahrain uh, prior to which was of course uh, the uh, chief of general staff, but a senior of the Air Force was never in the past, in official capacity at least. So That's these good, are yeah. um, very important signals, not only for the robust cooperation on the security level between the UAE, Bahrain, Israel, and other countries in that region. Yeah, hopefully Saudi Arabia will get more involved in that, right? We have to wait and see yeah. to what degree that uh, is viable. Uh, now that Netanyahu is coming into office, it becomes uh, more of an option. Okay. Okay. So there, there is more of an option there. 
there are unique relations behind the scene that are uh, telling to a certain degree about uh, the capacity of the conservative right in Israel to have better relations with the Muslim Arab world. Mm -hmm. Nonetheless, uh, this is a philosophical debate that we won't enter right now. Definitely. Okay, what was the, the third major point? So the mer- a third major point, and this is something that I need um, I need to put out there, and that is Israel's preparedness uh, for the times ahead, um, particularly Russian involvement in Syria and um, Lebanon and Iraq and so on. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, uh, the ability of Israel to win a next war. Uh, are we going to win a next war? This is always a question. That is a, a great question, yeah. Because uh, Israel cannot afford to lose any war. Right. So uh, the, the brief answer is Israel will win a next war. Um, the, good, the, good. In a very brief. <laughs> okay. A bit longer, um, unfortunately, it's going to come at a dire cost. Ah, okay. Okay, so uh, we need to understand uh, the different fronts uh, and identify, first of all, what is victory? That's true, yeah. These days it's Who is the enemy? And uh, because Israel is able to contend with the different enemies in a different capacity. Mm -hmm. Is this a localized war or is this a regional war? Uh, To what degree is a regional war going to challenge Israel? Um... We need to think about uh, the capacity of Israel to to go out for a wide-scale maneuver. Has it prepared in 2018-19? There was a commission of inquiry uh, by a top general uh, in the IDF, a senior general in the IDF, um, a major general, a two-star general, who... uh, basically rebuked the IDF and rendered it unprepared for war. So this is just, you know, two, three years ago. Are the lessons learned? Has Israel, under General Kochavi now, uh, opted to improve uh, the Israeli capacity to prepare for war? And as such, what does it actually mean? So those are points that we need to understand. Now, the first... Uh, thing that I think we should highlight, what is Israel's national security doctrine? Okay, and Israel's national security doctrine, um, to separate it from a strategy, Israel has no strategy, okay, but we'll touch on that momentarily. Um, It is to discourage the enemies from ever waging war against Israel to the point of despair, Okay, in order to cause despair from going to war against Israel, obviously in the next war, um, it will demand a decisive blow uh, against the enemy. So basically what, harming infrastructure, harming leaders? What does that mean? Right. So, again, uh, let's take Lebanon as an example. I think that's the most realistic example. Uh, for an upcoming war with Israel. Of course, we all know and now that we have uh, the maritime boundary agreement with uh, Lebanon, uh, it dissuades Lebanon from going to war. Economically, yes. Uh, right, for economic interest uh, and, and um, more than that. Yes. 
There are American guarantees for both sides, so I don't think that Netanyahu would follow through on a threat to immediately um, scrap the agreement, as he he claimed he would do if he won the elections. Uh, Nevertheless, I do agree with Netanyahu. It was a bad agreement unless, again, the secret clauses within this agreement related to French and American guarantees, particularly American guarantees, uh, include strategic added value vis-a-vis the qualitative military edge of Israel mm-hmm. against particularly the Islamic Republic of Iran, but also other enemies in the region. Yeah, so, so other, if these clauses are significantly you know, good for us, for our right. security, then he will stay with this agreement. So again, what, what is victory? That's, that's a huge question. Okay, so yeah. uh, the terminology, the military terminology for victory uh, is uh, at least a decisive total victory. Mm-hmm. Um, which is unrealistic in Israeli context. Uh, it's similar to what we saw in World War II and, and other wars. We look down to uh, either a result of exile or total obliteration. Okay, mm-hmm. the, this, uh, Then we have uh, an imposing of a political um, settlement okay. uh, under the terms which Israel dictates rather mm-hmm. than the international community. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the last point is, of course, annexing the territory and uh, making it part of your own country. Also, again, um, not only that it's un- uh, illegal under international law, um, which then puts Israel in one more pickle. Uh, yeah, so we have plenty. We have plenty, we have plenty of issues on that front. But uh, these are points that Israel doesn't aspire to, okay? Israel does not seek to expand its territory into Lebanon, Syria, Jordan, or anywhere else, okay? Mm -hmm. Just to put this out there. Um, Nevertheless, we need to understand, okay, uh, specifically vis-a-vis Hezbollah, which is Israel's prime enemy in Lebanon, what is their goal and what is our goal? Yes. Our goal is to stop the thousands of rockets from harming Israeli civilians, protecting mm-hmm. Israel's home front, the rear. Hezbollah's objective will be to uh, inflict as much as possible damage and to cause as much as possible um, death tolls mm-hmm. in Israel, both civilian and military. Okay? So... In order to put Israel in this context, um, it will have to act decisively, inflict significant damage on the enemy, Mm -hmm. which would obviously cause horrendous destruction throughout Lebanon because we're not only going to see rockets as in 2006 from the southern Lebanon, the Litani, a little bit northwards. It's going to be uh, 100 kilometers north into Lebanon, deep inside, from different locations, yes. being fired simultaneously. Mainly populated also, potentially, right? I don't know if mainly populated. It's going to be both populated and open space. Obviously, Hezbollah is a terrorist organization, uh, or at least recognized as a terrorist yes. organization by the majority of the world. Not by Russia, by the way, not by China, but by, by the West. The West. Um, and when I say the West, it's also recognized as such by Australia and, and yes. countries in the East, the South. So many understand the the threats and, and the, the fact that Hezbollah is fomenting terror okay. against not only 
Israel, but also against Lebanese people themselves, against mm. Syrians, against their uh, with advisors helping uh, the the Houthis in Yemen launch uh, those drones and rockets uh, into uh, uh, the northern neighbor mm-hmm. of Yemen, Saudi Arabia, against infrastructure there, Aramco oil facilities and others. So we need to understand that um, for one who sees it obviously. Uh, from a Western perspective, and, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, this is ultimately we grew up here in Israel, which is oriented with the West. We need to understand that within this context, Israel will ultimately have to cause or inflict significant damage on Hezbollah, which would then um, render it militarily, okay, militarily speaking, rendered it um, almost incapacitated. It doesn't mean that... fast, right? We don't have a big window to inflict this damage. Right, so as quickly as possible... As hard as possible. As hard as possible, Mm -hmm. which unfortunately, you know, uh, always when you go into war, there is a a detachment between uh, your aspirations and your ability to follow through on those Mm -hmm. aspirations. The first one ultimately is to do it as quickly as possible. Um, to do it in a manner that would inflict as much as possible uh, operational military successes and avoid civilian casualties. Mm -hmm. Uh, It will always uh, provide also uh, the uh, narrative, basically, of uh, uh, no destruction in the home front. Yes, definitely. And uh, to do all of this within, you know, a period of several days. Uh, yeah, yeah, because which, you need to have the public behind you. Right. Um, ultimately, that's not feasible, <laughs> you know. And uh, the media, which has, unfortunately, I have to say, um, a big role in uh, the the printing of the, the narrative following military campaigns, it always focuses on the destruction. Yes. How poor are the uh, those uh, who, uh, who are suffering, suffering, and yeah. so on and so forth? Instead of saying, "Look, in 2006 there was destruction, there was significant destruction. Lebanon was separated, of course, from Hezbollah, mm-hmm. but for 33 days Hezbollah was firing rockets at Israel, and for 33 days Israel was conducting uh, minimal maneuvers." Okay, but within those minimal maneuvers, uh, we saw a heavy aerial response against uh, Hezbollah in particular, which ultimately uh, brought about quite significant um, added value. And this next war is going to be quite significantly mm-hmm. more uh, destructive. Uh, they're going to be a deep maneuver. I'm not certain that the ground forces are well prepared for that. There's level one and level two. They're not going to use all of the ground forces in this sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And just to bring into context, I know we are out of time, but Netanyahu's doctrine back in 2018-17, the 2030 doctrine, Mm -hmm. okay, of how he would like to build the military, six points were listed, very important points, one word was not there, ground forces. It means that there is a disconnect between the ability to maneuver and expectations from the ground forces as opposed to the rest of the military. Of course, we're out of time, so we'll discuss the rest next time. Definitely. Thank you, Jonathan. Appreciate it. And thank you, and we'll see you again next time for another episode of Editor's Note.
Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.